0: Welcome to the Fiverr and 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nicola, where we talk to runners who live in the Capital District area about how they juggle family and work while training for distance races on the weekend. Today I'm talking to Padraig Timoney. Padraig is an engineer with Global Foundries. He is a father, an Irish musician, plays rugby and Gaelic football, and runs in distance races on the weekend. Currently, he is prepping for his next marathon in April. How does he do it all? Find out now in my interview with Patrick Timoney. Paddy, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here.
1: Thank you very much. Good to be had.
0: Awesome. Excellent. So, um, we've been, uh, you know, I'm just telling the folks out there, we've been running together for about over a year now with the Fleet Feet Group, the Clifton Park Beer Runners, and the Roundabout Runners. Um, Please tell us all where you're from originally and how did you... uh, how did you come to find yourself here?
1: Yeah, we, we need three running clubs each, right? Um, I, I come from Dublin in Ireland. Uh, I've been living in Saratoga County, I guess, 10 years now. Uh, I work at Global Foundries right here in Malta. And, you know, I've, I have a son who's four years old. So uh, I guess running is a, a good pastime for me whenever I have free time, whenever that is.
0: How long have you been running for? What, what inspired you to run originally?
1: So I guess uh, I used to play team sports and uh, I I could probably talk about those forever, but um, I kind of felt like before I got to know anyone here, and sometimes I had like a bit of time to pass on certain days. So I used to actually run on the Potomac Trail near Washington DC in the summers. And I found that pretty hard going initially, but uh, I'd always park at the 7.5 mile marker on the trail. And I always wanted to be able to just run to the end and then turned around and run all the way back to the seven point five. So that wow. summer, two thousand eleven, is when I finally was able to do that after a lot of attempts.
0: I see. So, yeah, and and through this uh, through COVID and everything, I know last year was really really hard. Things shut down about a year ago. This month, um, tell us about how that affected your running routine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's definitely been been tough for for a lot of people. I mean when when it all started there was a lot of confusion as to what was safe to do and what wasn't so was it okay to go outside what happened if you were running and you passed by somebody at the time of the shutdown i was still living in my house in luther forest like if you're running on wineberry lane do you have to put your mask on when you run past somebody so i was feeling that out for a while and it was very slow progress it was like one run a week uh you know uh Coach Mandel from the Fleet Feet Group started putting out some virtual challenges. Those were great motivation just to keep at it. Uh, So I think we had a time mile in there, right? We had a half marathon and he'd sent out all the placings. So that was really good. But it was really when the group started getting back together again, like in the summer, that I really started finding my place, I guess, uh, as Running before COVID was something that I like to do to stay in shape and maybe race the occasional five k or ten k every year. And now it's really become, you know, like a way of life, like a thing that I look forward to every day that I'm running. And you know, the people that I've met through running are really like kind of like a uh, almost like a family for me. Especially, I can't visit my family and they can't visit me at the moment because of all the restrictions in Ireland and all the restrictions here. So it's been really great. It's, it's really evolved for me and it's turned into something that I'm a little bit nuts about.
0: Now I, I've seen you and your, uh, uh, with the baby jogger with your son Kian out running and, um, he seems to like the, uh, the jogger a lot. And, you know, now that I have my son with me now, I I've also purchased a baby jogger. So I'm looking forward to getting out with her a little bit more, but you know, tell us, tell us about your son. Um, does he, uh, does your son like to run? And, uh, what does he think of a dad that runs so much?
1: Yeah, I think that the brainwashing is going well. He uh he likes doing little sprints in the apartment and he he always runs down the stairs and runs on the sidewalk and stuff, but thank God he 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 handles the stroller like a champ. Our our record so far is a 16-mile run where we just stopped once for him to to use a potty. But, you know, I'm I'm so grateful for that and I'm so fortunate. There's been a lot of runs that I've shown up And it's been pretty clear that he's just not having it and you know every other day when he's just sitting there chilling out uh just taking it all in a lot of people have said to me oh i used to try running with my child i don't think i ever got you know 10 miles or 13 miles so i'm very lucky that he he handles it well he looks forward to it and i i ordered a new stroller because he's kind of outgrown the current one and I don't know, the wheels might fall off at this stage as well. And he's really looking forward to seeing it. So he he seems to like running and he seems to like the, you know, the social aspect of gathering with my run buddies uh, at the weekends. We'll run somewhere. We'll usually drink a beer or two afterwards. I give him a chocolate milk as his reward for sitting there for two (laughs) hours, just doing nothing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he seems to love it. What's the longest distance you've gone in the jogging stroller stroller with Keen? Uh, 16 miles so that was a recently set record and and I know I ran past you one day which was a 14 mile run and I was coming up the hill at Unified Beer Works and you were going down and there was a lot of snow on the ground that day so we we cut that day short at all we were supposed to do 16 but we finally did make it 16 another time so yeah he's he's great to handle that so well and you know it, it reflects well on him in terms of his energy when he's not in the stroller too he he obviously kind of feeds back off the, you know, the active lifestyle and the wanting to just run around and be outside. So I'm trying to convert with running uh, with, a, with a jogging stroller. Um,
0: what advice do you have for, for a guy like me that's just emerging with this stroller versus not running with a stroller? Uh, uh, what's the difference? What is it? Was it feel like to run with one and not one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember one day we were running in, in Malta and I was kind of having a hard time with the pace, so I think you took over for a little while for me pushing the stroller. Uh, it definitely changes a lot of things. Uh, I, I have a lot of old shoulder gremlins and stuff from when I played rugby, so I always feel like my right arm needs to keep moving. So I usually end up pushing it with one hand. Uh, I always have the my uh, GPS watch on my left wrist, so I get like zero steps for every run. I I think the biggest thing is the endurance takes time. I mean, I I don't think you're going to have a problem with it. But uh, when I first started running with the stroller, I don't think I could do more than three or four miles. So it took me a while until I could survive that longer distance with the change in, you know, moving one arm instead of two or sometimes just holding on with both hands and not moving either arm. Uh, So I'd say that's the biggest thing Uh, that and don't do hill repeats with the stroller.
0: Gotcha. That's really good advice right there. Um, And I'm wondering, uh, you know, since the shutdown happened over uh, about a year ago now, um, have you had a chance to enter a race with a jogging stroller?
1: I have. Yeah. So so I've done two uh, technically since the shutdown. One of them was the Adirondack 5K in Lake George. And uh, that was actually pretty funny because it's a little hilly, not too hilly. But the steepest hill, I was just really struggling to just keep running. I got to the top of it and suddenly there was this big drop-off. So I passed by one of the uh one of the run buddies from one of our run groups, pretty much like, ah, like out of control, doing like five-minute mile pace or something because the gravity just took over. Uh, that was a fun race anyway. I I think I did like a 23-minute time or something. And then I did the Celebrate Life Half Marathon uh, just a couple of weekends ago down in Rock Hill. And that was also a very hilly race. Uh, But I was pretty happy with how those went. Excellent. I guess we all have our our
0: regular distance PRs for races. Now we have, you and I will have our stroller PRs that we have to uh, um, work on improving throughout the time. So um, uh, another question, uh, what's your favorite race distance?
1: Yeah. So I, I think at the moment that's half marathon. And, you know, part of the reason is that it feels like a big accomplishment for me to run a long distance, especially pushing the stroller. And my my running plan for the week is usually to do six runs in total, three with the stroller and three without. But most races are at the weekend. So with the exception of a marathon, and I got one coming up, uh, the half marathons, I always hope that it'll be a stroller friendly race so that I don't have to rely on, you know, being able to trade time with mom, because usually I have key in at the weekends. Uh, so if I can do a half marathon, uh, you know, a couple of year with the stroller, and you know, like you said, improve on that stroller half marathon PR, uh, that's, that's probably my favorite distance. But having said that, the big marathon is like just over two weeks away now, as I talk to you, and I'm I'm so excited and also so nervous. So it's going to be like really my first one where I really try and pace myself for the full thing. Yeah, I'm just I'm I can't wait. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Um I think I think I'm familiar with this race you're going to do but tell us all about your big marathon coming up in a couple of weeks.
1: Sure. So so uh actually, you know, the the most influential race of 2020 is the race that I didn't do, which is the Upstate Classic because it was so great to watch a lot of my friends finish their half marathons and then your I think your first guest on these podcasts Teresa finished her full marathon and I was just, you know, really inspired by that experience and I was thinking, I, I just really need to do the next marathon that anyone does. So she said, Yeah, well, there's this one coming up in, in April's in um in Rhode Island. Uh so I said, All right, I'm in. So uh <laughs> that that happened and signed up. And I was a little apprehensive at first, you know, even all the way into January and early February, Will this race really take place? But it it's it's pretty much certain to go ahead now with you know all the new Race protocols. They don't gather anywhere. Wear a mask when you need to. Bring your own water. And a big one that they send out: get out of there after the finish line. Don't hang around. So, so that's the that's that's the coffee milk uh, marathon in Rhode Island on April 11th. So
0: in your preparation, have you been have you been working with a run coach or what kind of now you did mention Fleet Feet a little bit? But uh, tell us about some of the running groups you've been running with. Uh,
1: yeah. So so as you as you mentioned at the start, I, I run with the Roundabout Runners in Malta and with the Clifton Park Beer Runners, uh, mostly at the moment in, in Clifton Park. And I have run as well in, in Mark Mindell's uh, Fleet Feet program for the half and full marathon preparation. So, I mean, Mark's been great. Um, He he sends out a lot of workout programs that it it was difficult for me at first to really match up to that, especially, you know, what days did I have the stroll or what days didn't I? And uh, I I think the strongest tonic for me so far in running has been the FOMO factor, Factor. whether it's 5.15 in the morning or whether it's, you know, I got to run on Wednesday night and then I've got to run again on Thursday morning but I'm not going to want to miss out on a group workout. So I've mostly been relying on that so far and really just taking one month at a time uh, with running. I I think run coaching is something that I need to start thinking about because I'm obviously getting more and more serious about running. Uh, My goal for March was not to run 300 kilometers because I've done too many of those in the last couple of months. And some of my buddies started saying, I think you have a problem. So I think i'm going to accomplish that goal, but yeah it's it's definitely something to look at and you know again, just t- talking about mark's group there's a great mix there in, in the programs he sends out between the speed work and you know the long runs and stuff like that and i've really just been kind of making it up as I go along so far to be honest
0: and what about running injuries? can you is there a worst running injury that you can tell us about, and how, how did you recover from that?
1: Yeah, so I'm very lucky there. I mean, I, I think I'm true to the Irish stereotype in this sense, you know, the look of the Irish, because the worst injury I got was on the Thursday evening before the half marathon that we both actually ran last year, the, um, the run for the river half marathon, uh, yeah, the, the, the same course as the, uh, as the original uh, Helderberg to Hudson, I think, along the uh, Mohawk bike path. And I got this hamstring pull or tweak or something uh, when we were doing uh, some hills on the Zim Smith, you know, where the overpass is. Uh, and I had already done some hill repeats with roundabout runners that morning. So it was probably not a smart decision to try and try and do hills twice in one day. And I was very worried because I thought oh, I signed up for this half. It's a COVID year. There's probably not going to be another half that I can sign up for. I really wanted to get a PR. My previous PR had been like 1 minute 50 or something with the with the stroller. But I thought, oh, I can definitely beat that. I don't have the stroller for this race. So I, I was very lucky. I just kind of powered through with a little bit of Advil. And I, I still did manage to PR that one. Uh, I think I did like a 142 or something like that. And the third mile, I felt it again. But, you know, luckily, I just kind of, hung in there I slowed down a little bit and then that huge hill came in in Cahos. and running down that hill I just kind of forgot about everything and it kind of just kicked on from there it, you know especially compared to rugby where I feel like I had hurt something like every second game running has been pretty plain sailing for me so far thankfully knock on wood what's your uh, what's your worst injury with uh with a rugby game yeah the worst one uh so um, this is the, the big risk of rugby is you, you you play with uh some rather large gentlemen against you but also on your own team so there's kind of like an american football where you're pushing the pile or in rugby we call that a rolling mall well the rolling mall collapsed and it fell in the direction where i was falling so whole thing seemed to happen in slow motion i fell down on my back and was just looking up in the air with my left hand outstretched up in the air and one of my buddies, Gareth, just fell right on my wrist and it didn't feel great when it happened, but you know, there was even one of the guys was training to be a doctor on the team and he said, It's probably sprained. You know, with the hospital being five minutes away, you might as well get it X-rayed. And they came back and said that this scaphoid bone in my left wrist was broken. So I was at that time starting to write up my PhD thesis. So I pretty much didn't play rugby again after that. I came back for a little bit of training. I played maybe one match and I just said, no, too much risk. And especially, you know, with music and stuff that I like to do as well. It it was was a pretty scary injury just in terms of how the, if we hadn't noticed this quickly factor, there could have been some long-term arthritis and stuff like that. That was probably the worst injury, but there was lots of other little, you know, my shoulder couldn't move for two weeks sort of injuries as well. Rough sport.
0: Yeah, I see. Excellent. I see on, on social media, you, you have a lot of these, um, I guess you, you have a, like a music career going also, and it's like Patrick Timoney is playing here, he's, he's playing there. Tell us about your music career, the instruments that you play, and do you play in a band also?
1: So yeah I'm I'm always uh keen to talk about music especially Irish music. So you you'll get a laugh out of this. Uh we have a thing called Engineering Day in in our faculty and in, in University College Dublin. Uh and the the race that we do from the five different bars, you know, through the stereotype again is called the stretcher race because the engineering faculty used to share the building with the medicine faculty. So one day we decided that for our third year entering, we were all in grad school at this stage, we were gonna not have a stretcher, but we were all just gonna have our own instruments and we were gonna be a band. And we decided to be a tribute to the Clancy brothers and Tommy Makem, that were famous in America in the 1960s. And this band were famous for wearing big, heavy white Aran sweaters and paddy caps and just singing all these you know, Irish ballads and drinking songs. So we did that. And a lot of people told us, you guys are pretty good. You should be a band. So one of us said, Oh yeah, we'll book a gig with such and such a person we know. And somebody else in the band said, hang on, we only learned seven songs. You need at least 30. I said, okay, in two weeks, we'll have 30 songs. So we suddenly became a band. We were, you know, we were going to uh, lunch and to coffee every day as, as all engineering grad students. And we were just chatting about a new song that we could learn. And suddenly, I kind of became a musician out of this. So I was playing um, an Irish drum called the baron, and I was playing the guitar. And then, you know, eventually, I decided, oh, we need we need a fiddle in the band, so I'll learn how to play the fiddle. So that was about 12 years ago, and and I take the, the fiddle and the guitar especially seriously now. So those are most of what I do, I would say. Uh, and I decided to learn one more instrument since I got to America, and I chose the most complicated one i could find uh, they're called the irish illin pipes the word illin is the irish for elbow so i play a mix now you know i, I play the guitar and i sing and that could be irish songs that could be your you know <laughs> third eye blind or whatever it is that, that you'd normally hear at a bar uh or if i play the fiddle or if i play the pipes it's more likely to be like an instrumental type of music
0: and uh what um where can we find you play your, your gigs or your performances? Where do you play in the uh, local area?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, You know, as a part-time musician, you're, you're kind of like waiting for the bus. And uh, after a while, three of them show up almost at the same time. And you're kind of stumbling over yourself, trying to see if you can play all three of them. But um, I have nothing on the pipeline uh, in the next while. Uh, I think, there there was a couple over the month of March this year that I was lucky enough to get uh, with the environment we're in. And sometimes I play uh, in a private country club near Albany as well. Uh, but I think the next public one, the Old English pub in Albany used to have myself and a couple of other local Irish musicians play instrumental music outside in their garden um, as kind of, you know, a, you don't have to worry about there being you know, a singer and, you know, the the spread of the virus concern there. Uh, so it was kind of a nice COVID-friendly way of playing music live. Uh, so hopefully that'll start up again soon on Thursday nights. And, and other than that, it's, you know, again, I'll, I'll take whatever there is, as long as there isn't, you know, seven gigs in a month, obviously. But uh, I'd like to try to get one or two if I
0: can. Excellent. Yeah, I hope to catch you at a, a gig sometime soon. Yeah, I have not been out that much myself, but that's something I hopefully will... uh change for everybody um you know we're, we're ready to go on to our next section here but i just wanted to cover just ask you one more thing so rugby versus gaelic football what are the differences
1: well, that's a great question yeah so so rugby i mean is uh, is the origin sport upon which american football is based on so i think the original story with rugby goes to somebody in the town of rugby in england was playing soccer and just decided to pick up the ball and start running with it and eventually they came up with a bunch of rules and stuff like that. Uh, so rugby is a very heavy contact sport. To, you know You can run around somebody to, to get over the to score a touchdown, or preferably run through somebody. Uh, in Gaelic football, there is contact, but it's more encouraged you know to get around somebody, and most of the tackling is you, you're literally trying to reach your hand in to the person who's carrying the ball and trying to knock it out of their hand but you can't actually tackle with two hands at the same time. So as a result of that, it's, it's a little bit more like soccer in terms of how you would challenge somebody. Uh, but it's like rugby in that you have the ball in your hand uh, when you're running. Now it's also a little bit like basketball because you can't travel with the ball. You have to bounce it. And then if you've already bounced it and you take four more steps, then you have to kick it to yourself. So just in case this wasn't, you know, hard enough to kind of grasp, uh, as we're talking here, the next thing is that there's a goalkeeper, but you can also kick the ball over the bar and score one point that way. So the scoring system is also, um, very interesting. I think the most interesting thing about Gaelic football is that it's a huge pitch. Uh, the, the field is 140 meters by 70 meters. So it's much, much, much bigger than American football. And that means that when you have 14 outfield players against 14 and there's no offside, they're just running the entire time trying to get free of the guy who's marking them. And it really is just an endurance to see how much fitness you have. So, I mean, some of the, the kind of highest level players in Ireland would be, you know, taking a pledge to not drink alcohol for 11 months of the year. And they try to even avoid eating chocolate or anything like that. So very, very... Uh, it's very, very high-level preparation. But having said that, it's an amateur sport. So it's, it's very interesting, certainly in Ireland, to watch. Ironically, I never played it until I moved here. And I found a team down in Albany called the Albany Rebels, and I played with them for a little while.
0: And um, where do you? I I guess you were gonna yeah answer my next question. That I wanted to follow up with you. Um, you you go down to Albany to play. Has there any been any uh, Gaelic football or rugby going on since the pandemic started? Uh,
1: yeah, so I mean, I I haven't been involved in the setup since uh, since 2016 actually, because with Keen on the way, I I sort of thought it'd be a little bit difficult to to make it down to practice, and then. Some of the games they'd play would be in Hartford, Connecticut, or in Buffalo, or I think they even sometimes go out as far as uh Ohio or uh sometimes they go to a tournament in Montreal as well, so I'm still in touch with the guys, but I think all they really did last summer with the with the pandemic was they just had a couple of scrimmages uh at the field they play at in Albany, and they're starting to talk about now maybe going to a tournament um I think it's in rockland in in um you know, near near the New Jersey border, uh, or maybe there's one in Duchess County as well. But it's they're very much feeling things out, kind of like everything else at the moment, really, just trying to see if there's a safe way to do it. You know, uh, Patty, this has
0: been excellent. This is all great for our listeners to hear. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. And um, you know, my final section is the is the world famous this and that section. So I'm gonna mention ten things that are important to runners and athletes. And Depending on which one uh, more appeals to you that I say, you can choose which choice you want to say, and then explain a little bit why that's your choice. Sounds great. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and do this. All right. So morning or night runner?
1: Probably morning. Uh, I'll pretty much though, like I said, I'll run whenever the FOMO factor kicks in, I will never want to miss out. Do you prefer the trails or the roads? So far roads. I haven't really tried trail running yet. Metal or t-shirt? So I'd say T-shirt, but ideally, if there's both, I'll take the T-shirt and I'll give in the medal.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I'm sure uh, my son will probably will enjoy the bling himself. So <laughs> so that will probably happen the same way. Uh, let's see. So track repeats or hill repeats?
1: So I'm with track. I, I'm still harboring a little bit of emotional scarring from this hill repeat. So I tend to go a little easier on the hills still. Do you prefer coffee or beer? Definitely beer. Uh, I think uh, the the Clifton Park beer owners will obligate me to say that answer. Uh, Having said that, I do love coffee. Headphones or voices? Voices. I I haven't listened to music in a long time. Uh, If I'm kind of out on my own in a race and, you know, the, the rest of the gang are ahead of me or behind me, I tend to hear all of my favorite music in my head anyway. So I've kind of reached the point where it's easier for me not to listen to the music. It's also good to get important feedback like, Daddy, I need to go potty uh, from my passengers. So, it's better not to listen to music and miss that. Hammies or glutes? I'll go with the glutes just because of the hammies (laughs) issues. Excellent. Excellent.
0: And uh, it's the seventh mile of a race or a half marathon or even a marathon. I don't know. And... You feel that feeling coming on? Things aren't going so great. So do you puke it up or suck it up?
1: I'm a suck it up guy. Keep going. Keep going.
0: Um, dreadmill or frostbite? I think I know the answer. Yeah,
1: definitely frostbite. I, I can't believe how much I ran this winter, and I just wish I had done it every winter now. There was one
0: morning I, I noticed on, it was, I either saw it on Strava or maybe I saw it on Facebook, that you were out uh, before 7 a.m., and the temperature... Was how cold? Oh, one something? degree, maybe. Wow. Geez. Yeah, these are these are conditions that huh, I tend not to feel so well in, but uh, you were out there pushing it, and I think you got, did you get like 17 miles done or 20 miles in that day? Yeah, the,
1: that was the 17 mile. That was the period of January when it was far too cold to think about running with the stroller. So I just ran when I could, and sometimes, you know, to get the 17 miles in, I needed to get out at 5 a.m. So Yeah, we've all got to get it
0: done. So final item, do you prefer the start or a finish of the race?
1: Uh, Definitely the finish. The start is sometimes a little bit, you know, the the anxiety sometimes builds up a little bit and turns into more than I really want it to be. Sometimes I just want to get going, but I love the finish.
0: And last, last question. Do you have any advice for a new runner?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't claim to be an expert about this, but I mean, I think it's probably a cliche as well, but there's a lot to be said for feeling comfortable. You know, you, you might have a friend that runs, and I, I certainly did in the case when I was starting to run a lot when I started working at Global Foundries, but if they're an eight-minute mile guy and you're not, you know, it's better to feel comfortable than to try to push yourself and feeling like this is a horrible thing and I, and I don't want to do it ever again. So it's, I think it's important to find your zone. But, I mean, having said that, if if you're the type of person that gets motivated by, you know, chasing somebody else or trying to catch up with somebody else you, you want to take advantage of that as well to some extent so I, I don't know in summary you know you don't really want this run to just be about this week or this next race coming up you, you kind of want to invest in it in my opinion as you know a, a commitment to your future and in my case I can certainly say that there's been a great interest on the investment so far
0: Party this has been great. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. I'll see you at the next beer run. Sounds round.
1: good and maybe we'll get a beer mile in.
0: This concludes 5 run 8's episode with Padraig Timoney. If you'd like to hear his music, you can find him on Facebook through my Facebook page. He'll be playing at the Old English Pub soon, and in the past he has played at the Shamrock House in the Catskills.